Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank you for this new day, God. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege that we have to gather together, together, Lord, around your word, Lord, and, and in your name, Lord. Your word says that where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, Lord. So we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, because again, this is why we gather, not because we are faithful, not because we are good, not because we are anything at all, Lord, but it's because of you that we gather, Lord. It's because of you that we stand. It's because of you that we live and move and have our being, Lord. And we just acknowledge you. We ask your presence here, Lord. We ask that by your spirit, Lord, we can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, and in our understanding of your will and your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so once again, we will be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Matthew chapter 5. And the last time that we gathered together, we went through verses 1 through 6 of Matthew chapter 5. But just to refresh our memories, I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1 of chapter 5, and we'll see what the Lord has for us today by His Holy Spirit. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, He went up on a mountain, and when He was seated, His disciples came to Him. Then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Or if you like to say blessed there, that's fine. But blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So, as we continue to look here at the teaching of Jesus to his disciples, we see that Jesus wants us, if we call ourselves his disciples as well, he wants us to have certain characteristics about the way that we live our lives in the here and now, here on this earth. These teachings of Jesus here as he sat on a mountain are what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. We also refer to these teachings as the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude simply means blessed. Or blessings. So Jesus is proclaiming here as he's teaching his disciples how one can have a blessed life. So often, though, we make the mistake of thinking that the things that we receive, right, the things that we gain, or the you know, the things that we obtain in this life, that that's what a blessed life is, right? So often we make that mistake, right? That our house, our cars, and our money, our material things, these are blessings. Well, you know, indeed they are. And they're something that we should give thanks to the Lord for, right? We should have a thankful heart for that which we have in this temporary life. But what Jesus is speaking of here really has not much at all to do with what we gain in this life, but rather it has to do with what we give of ourselves in this life of ours. 
We talked last time about being poor in spirit, being meek, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And here Jesus is telling us to be merciful in verse 7. All of these things that Jesus speaks of here, again, have nothing to do with us looking out for ourselves, but again, rather us giving and sacrificing of our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, that is to follow him, right? He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So again, it's not about what we get, what we gain, what we have. This is not the blessed life that Jesus is talking about. It's what we give of ourselves and giving of ourselves completely to be his followers and to be his servants and to be merciful as Jesus speaks of here is the Greek word Eli Lemon, right? And it speaks of, a, of being kind and gentle to someone that has wronged you. That's hard in this carnal flesh of ours, isn't it? To be kind and gentle to someone that has wronged you. What it takes to be able to do that is to be led by the Spirit rather than by our carnal flesh or our own will, our own emotions, what we're feeling, right? We need to be led by the Spirit rather than by what we're feeling. And so often, it seems we've taken that word Spirit and kind of made it about emotions, made it about feelings, right? Like the cheerleader, we got Spirit, yes we do, we got Spirit, how about you, or whatever. But it's not that kind of, that's not what being led by the Spirit is all about. Right. This is why so often you hear me driving the point home that we need to be to seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. Right. We need to be people that desire the gifts of the spirit and desire the fruit of the spirit working in our lives without the the yielding to the leading of the spirit of God. We cannot possibly be this blessed person that Jesus is describing here in this chapter. So you see, all that we're, we, we re, we're reading here, right, it, it begins with, first of all, being completely and absolutely surrendered to the Lord on a daily basis, wanting more of His will in our lives than we do of our own will. This is the blessed life that Jesus is describing here. Now, I will be the first one to, to admit that more often than I would like, fleshly de desires well up inside of me. But the Spirit of the Lord is always there to guide us into all truth and to remind us of what Jesus taught. So this is not talking about we've got to be perfect in everything because none of us are. And none of us can do everything exactly right. None of us will react to situations and circumstances exactly right every time. But the Spirit of God is there to lead us. And I know that when I get off into a, a fleshly thought or a carnal thought or some type of emotion, I know that the Spirit of the Lord is right there to quickly reel me back in and say, and give me a scripture on my heart, something in my mind that will calm me down and change my attitude right then and there. But the thing is, is again, we have to be willing to yield to that. And we have to learn the voice of the Spirit and, and learn when God is speaking us to us so that we know, okay, now this ain't right. What I'm thinking ain't right. 
what I'm feeling ain't right, what I'm saying right now ain't right, whatever it is, I got to reel this back in and change this. But it's the, it's the Spirit of God that will do that in our lives. Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 26 said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So that's the benefit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He teaches us all things. He brings things back to our remembrance. So the Holy Spirit is there to do what he does, right? But the question for you and I is, are we yielding to his leading. Again, this is the only way that we can live this blessed life that Jesus is describing here in Matthew chapter 5. Okay? Jesus continues on in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. The word pure there simply means clean, to be clean. Our heart being washed clean from sin and guilt. And this, of course, happens for the person that has come to walk, that is to live by faith in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, speaking of the Old Testament way of being made clean through the law, right? It says, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer Sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 1 Corinthians 6.11, speaking of those that have come to faith in Jesus Christ, says, but you were sanctified. That is, you were made clean. You were made pure. But it says, but you were sanctified. But you were justified. How? It says, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So through faith in Jesus and through the yielding to and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can live a clean life. It's a walk of faith. Right? And therefore, by it be blessed. That's why Jesus says, blessed is the one. Blessed is the man that does this, this, and this, right? But are we living a life that exemplifies that we have been made clean? Or are we allowing ourselves to be led by the flesh? Again, when I say, ask a question like that, there's no pointing a finger at anybody when I ask that question. It's just, hey, we're studying the Word of God here this morning. We're seeing what the Word of God says. And then we look at it and we say, hey, uh, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to grow? That's all we're doing when we gather like this, right? Verse 9, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. A peacemaker is simply someone that makes peace. They're not a brawler. They're not argumentative. They're not stirring up strife. They're not causing disputes, not always agitating other people and things like that. That type of person that would do that type of thing would not be called a child of God, but would lean more to being called a child of the devil, right? Mm -hmm. That person that wants to stir up that strife. What are they being led by? They're being led by their own flesh, their own will, their own emotions, right? Again, 
Any one of us can go that way. Any one of us can take that route in this life. Verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's always been the case, but, but we live in a world where those that seek to do what is right, what is righteous in the sight of God, are those that are attacked the most. Those that stand against the senseless murdering of the unborn child, for example. right? Those that stand for what the Bible says, maybe marriage as, as God defines it in the Bible. These are the people that are attacked, that are called haters in our society today because they simply want to stand for what is right. And if you are someone that believes in the Word of God and you commit your ways to the Lord and, and you want to walk in His ways, you will be persecuted for doing so if you choose that way of life. It's not... This, this Bible, living according to this Bible, according to what Jesus says, according to what the Word of God says we should do, this book is not the way to make friends and influence people. Right? This is not the way to do it. Now, I'm not saying that this Bible should make us abrasive and, and someone no one wants to be around. No, it's quite to the contrary. Because if I'm going to live by the Spirit of the Lord, I'm going to love by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to give by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be merciful. Right? I'm going to be all of these things. But I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to waver in what I stand upon. See, being merciful and kind and loving doesn't mean I stand for what is evil or I stand for what is wrong because you do. But that's what the world wants to draw you into nowadays. They want to say, oh, come be just like us and we'll love you. But if you're not just like us, if you're one of those people that are biblical people or you stand for righteousness, well, then we're, we're going to protest you and we're going to be against you and we're going to, we're going to fight with you. And we're going to put you down, you know. So the world will love you if, you if you're just like them. But they won't if you're not. So you will be persecuted when you stand for righteousness' sake. Jesus said so. Go ahead and, and take a moment and mark this page. And turn in your Bibles, toward the back of your Bible, find 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And looking down, we'll start reading in verse 12. So 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So, again, if you indeed are someone that actually obeys the gospel of God, that's what you seek to do in this life, then you will be persecuted for doing so, for living in a righteous, righteous manner. But on the other hand, if you're not standing and, and building your life upon the word of God, well, then you won't look much different from the rest of the world around you, and you won't be glorifying the name of Jesus, and therefore you won't be persecuted either because that's what the world wants you to do, fit in with them and be just like them, right? They call it tolerance, right? But yet, we're called to stand upon the Word of God, but yet to do so in love. Let's flip back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, continuing on this same thought, says, starting in verse 11, Blessed are you, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, how many of us, when we think about that, we think about it from an emotional standpoint, we would feel blessed when people are reviling us or persecuting us or saying all kinds of evil things against us falsely, right? But Jesus says we are blessed in this situation. He says rejoice in verse 12 and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under foot of men. So what Jesus is saying here is that we should be having a godly influence on this world around us. If we are not impacting this world with the love of Christ, with His mercy, with righteousness, then our Christianity is good for nothing. You see, we don't have to stand on the streets shouting at people. Just in our everyday lives, there are people that are lost, people that have not been born again of the Spirit, people that do not know the truth of the Word of God and do not know Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life in, in, in their lives, right? People that have not heard of the love of God, have not heard of the mercy of God. They don't know that the power of God that can change them from the inside out. And the sad thing is, is that Many of them want nothing to do with Christianity because the only Christianity that they know is the Christianity that has no flavor, no power, right? That is the Christianity that, that has no powerful impact to change their lives through the Word of God and through what the teachings of Jesus. It's a good-for-nothing Christianity in many ways today, right? People that you work with, uh, your unsaved family members, are these people seeing the, the real Jesus in you and me? The Jesus whom by the Holy Spirit can make all things new to them. 
We are to add flavor to people's lives as the salt of the earth. In verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I think those verses are pretty self-explanatory, right? It's pretty clear here that Jesus wants to to shine. Jesus wants us to shine. He wants us to be shiny and flavorful, right? The salt of the earth and shining as a light. As we examine the mirror that is the Word of God this morning, that is, as we look at the Word of God and we examine ourselves in it, what are we seeing in the reflection? That's how I read the Word of God. What am I seeing? back at me. It's like a mirror. Am I seeing myself as it says the Lord wants me to be? Or do I see the truth and say, I'm not that guy. I'm not that person, right? That's why we study the Word of God like this. Verse 17, do not think, Jesus says, that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For shortly I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, as Jesus brings up this topic here of the law, it's important that we understand what he is saying in light of what other scriptures say as well. Because Jesus is saying here that the law which gave us righteous requirements... For example, love your neighbor, thou shalt not kill, not steal, not covet, not commit adultery and such. All these facts remain true today, and they should never change. Jesus didn't come to get rid of that, right? Again, we should be hungering and thirsting for righteousness in our lives. We should be desiring to live that way. Jesus didn't do away with the truth of the law, but he did, however, fulfill the law which called for us to be perfect in every aspect of our lives. We had to obey the law to a T. And none of us here in this room can say we've ever been perfect or that we've ever done anything, everything right. We fall short. Right? We cannot accomplish that kind of thing. But Jesus, through the shedding of his blood, did accomplish that on our behalf. But let's expound a little bit more on this. Go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles. You can mark this page. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. So we're in Matthew. You have Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans to the right. So Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. We're looking for Romans chapter 8. Again, I just want to expound on this topic here of, of Jesus saying he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law, okay? But let's talk about that a little bit more. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So that, that's very key right there. 
We need to be walking in Christ. We need to commit our lives to Him completely and be in Christ. There's no condemnation now for that person. And it says, and it describes that person more. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what I was talking about earlier, being led by the Spirit. And he makes, the Apostle Paul makes real sure here to let us know who he is talking to in verse 1. He is saying that the law does not condemn a person that walks according to or is being led by the Spirit. However, if a person walks according to the flesh, then the opposite would be true. There would be condemnation. The law that, you know, that the law is that which God gave to the Jews. Those laws will condemn the man or the woman that walks in the flesh. The one that walks in a certain way will have that law come against them. You know, look, the speeding laws in our country, for example, I'll just use that as an example. The speeding laws will not pertain to you at all if you don't speed. The moment that you speed, the law pertains to you. Now the law is against you. Why? Because you broke the law. Okay? So the laws that God gave to the Jews, they pertain to the person that breaks the laws. The person that is walking led by the Spirit, what Paul is teaching, is the person that says, by your Spirit, Lord, you teach me. Just like I was given the, the example earlier. I can get have a bad thought, get in my flesh, whatever, but the Spirit can come and correct me before there's ever an action. You may not ever even see how angry I am about something because the Spirit came and corrected me before the anger came out. Right? Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I'm just going to use a speeding example again. If, if I don't speed, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about the law. I'm free from that law. Why am I free from it? Because I don't speed. It ain't true, by the way. But... <laughs> yeah. So, but I'd be free from it. But as it pertains to the law which God gives, the Bible teaches us that if we're led by the Spirit... We're not going to do that. We're not going to walk in that way. Right? Verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, just like the speeding law, is weak. Is it really? I'm weak. I'm going to go 36 when it says 35. Right? The law's not weak. Right? But the law is weak how? Through the flesh. So what did God do? God did something about it by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He became one of us. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. What was the result of Jesus doing this? Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. Just like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, that's what He came to do. To fulfill the law. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who? Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
Now, should I obey the speeding law? Yes. Again, we're talking about, I'm, I'm just using an analogy here. I'm talking about the laws of God, but I'm giving you an example that you can see what, what I'm talking about. Should we obey the laws? Yes, we should obey the law, right? And, and should we obey the law of God? Jesus didn't come to abolish it. Yes, we should, but how do we do it? We can't do it through our flesh. We can't do it through the strength of our own flesh because we're weak and we fall short. So we thank Jesus. We praise God for Jesus. And He is the one that gives us the strength. Right? We must be led by the Spirit. If we have been born again of the Spirit, then we should be walking in a manner that displays that we've been born again by the Spirit and we live differently. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. There's a difference right there. What is your mind set on? Fleshly things, right? What are you feeding your mind with? Do you find that something you watch on the news makes you angry? Well, there's a cure for it. And I, I got rid of it a long time ago. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need to hear it. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So it's saying those laws, you're just going to battle them. You're going to battle with sin. Right? I say as long as we have skin, we'll struggle with sin. As long as I'm in this body, I'll have to fight it. I've got to yield to the Spirit. I've got to listen to that voice of the Spirit that says, no, don't go there. No, don't do that. So then those who are in the flesh, verse 8 says, cannot please God. Right? So, so thank God again for Jesus because He pleased God for us and we're in Him and we have faith in Him. We trust in Him. He's our Savior, right? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, verse 9. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Okay, so in other words, if a person hasn't been born again, hasn't given their life to God to have the Spirit of Christ come in them, the one that Jesus said, I quoted it earlier, the one that Jesus said will come and will teach you all truth. He'll bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said. We can't walk through life today. We can't walk through life today saying, well, I, don't know what, I don't know what God wants of me. I don't know what Jesus expects of me. We don't have that excuse because we do know what he wants from us. It is written. It is written. It's written in the word of God what he expects from us and how he expects us to live. Right. Where did I just leave off that? Verse, I'll read verse 9 again. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him, capital H, the Spirit of Jesus, right? The Spirit of God. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, He says, Therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I'm telling you, this is a daily thing. Taking up the cross daily and dying to our flesh is a daily thing. Because when I wake up every morning, my flesh wants to rule the day. My carnal mind, my own attitudes. And again, I could expound on this greatly and tell you, it could be things that were ingrained in you as a child. Views that were given to you. Certain views about this or certain views about that. Well, daddy was this and I'm that. Well, mama was this and I'm that. And it gets passed on. It gets passed on, right? But we have to put to death the deeds of the flesh and say, does my life, what I believe and what I say and what I speak, does it line up with the word of God? Or does it line up with the world? And if it lines up with the, wor with the world, then I've got to say, I need to be led by the Spirit. And I need to change. I need to repent. And again, this is a continual thing. We're constantly Growing For as many, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. In other words, pretty plain and clear. It's the people that are led by the Spirit of God. These are the children of God. So again, Jesus says to be salt and, and light in the earth, in the world, right? And do so by living in a manner that displays the righteousness of God. That, is a, that has come to us, not as, a, not as a result of our own works, our own efforts, our own strength, our own power. The righteousness of God has come to us as a result of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So doing what is good, doing what is right, Jesus did not put an end to these things. He fulfilled these things. And He wants us to walk in these things. And flipping back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, continuing in verse 19. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So do you see how important that these things are to, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Are these things as equally important to you and me this morning? I want to have you turn up to Matthew chapter 7. So we're in chapter 5, so just a page or two, however your Bible's laid out there, but Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look down at verse 18. So Matthew 7, 18. It's Jesus speaking, says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many people will say, praise the Lord. Many people may use the name of the Lord in a good way. Right? But it's the one that is doing the will of the Father in heaven that counts. You see, it's very important to Jesus, like I started out this teaching by saying, that we be of a certain character. We must desire to not just call Him Lord, but we must desire to do the will of the Father. We must desire to be meek, as we see in chapter 5 of Matthew. We must desire to be merciful, to hunger and to thirst for righteousness. 
That is to live our lives as salt and light here on this earth and shine forth the love of Christ. Look, the truth is, is Jesus walked the earth and He was full of grace and truth. He lived, He loved, but ultimately they persecuted Him, right, for it. Ultimately, they killed Him. And if they hated Him, He said that they would hate us too. That is those that, who walk in His way. But to be salt and light, to have a flavorful impact and a good impact on this world, we must share the love of Christ and give people the opportunity to be saved themselves, not compromising to their ways, not compromising on the Word of God again, but rather we should be living in such a way that shows that we are indeed in the world, but we're not of the world. So I'm going to bring it to a close here for today because there's so much for us to digest in what we've fed upon in the Word of God here. And may I suggest to you that you make it part of your prayer life this week, part of your meditation to examine yourself in the light of what we read here this morning. That's really my hope every week. Again, not just for you, but for myself. Again, know that when I sit down to write these teachings, I basically sit down, I open the Word of God, I begin to read it, and what it speaks to me, I write down. But guess what? It's speaking to me. It's, it's telling me how I need to live. And then I simply reflect it out to you and share it to you. So again, I don't point fingers at anybody when I teach. right? I know that I, for one, sure need to do just that this week, to, to, to consider what the Word of God has said to us here. We, we set aside this day, a Sunday, the beginning of the week. We set it aside to say, I want my day, I want my week to begin spiritually. I want my week to be focused on the things of God, right? Second Timothy 3:16 and 17. I just want to quote it to you here. I think I brought it up a few weeks ago, but it says, "All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we've heard some things today that are designed to equip us for good work in the name of the Lord. We've heard sound doctrine from the word of the Lord today. Maybe the word of God has reproved you this morning, meaning that maybe in some aspect of our lives we've found there, that there is disapproval, that there's something just not right, right? Maybe we've been corrected because that's what 2 Timothy says as well, that the Word of God is profitable in our lives for correction, right? And for sure, through the words of Jesus, we have been instructed in righteousness. So let's leave here today as people who have decided to not be forgetful hearers of the Word of God, but rather people that do the work of God in our daily lives. I really believe, and I know that this may sound kind of crazy, it may sound to be a bold statement to make, but I really believe that there's nothing more important that you'll do in this coming week than what you just did here this morning. And that is studied the Word of God, looked at the Word of God, and said, what does the Word of God say to me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
again, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your holy word, God. You have not left us comfortless. You have not left us alone, Lord. You have given us of your spirit, Lord, your Holy Spirit to indwell us, to, to lead and to guide us into all truth, to teach us and to bring into remembrance all the things that you said, Jesus. Thank you that you've not left us alone here. I pray that by your spirit, Lord, we will leave here within our spirit, within our soul, having grown in the grace and knowledge of you, and that we will be committed, Lord, to walk in your way, more so than when we walked in the door here this morning. God, let your will be done in our hearts and minds, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, just forgive us of our sins and our trespasses and our shortcomings, Lord, and thank you, Jesus, for your blood which cleanses us and washes us white as snow. We thank you and praise you for this time again. In Jesus' name.